Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. This is Adam. And this is Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com. And uh, we are bringing you another sweet, solid hour of My Hero Academia goodness. Uh, this week's we're covering episode 86 and 87, and uh, we finally get to see the festival, man. I was pretty, pretty like, unprepared for how awesome it, it is. I mean, I... Going into it, I knew that it was going to happen. I knew it was going to be a thing, but I was like, oh, it's a festival, whatever. You know, I've not been a super big fan of this arc so far, but perfect ending. Uh, the festival was really cool. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, if you listen to the last probably two episodes of ours, I keep like saying over and over again, let's just get past all this gentle stuff because Jiro needs to sing and I need to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was super, I had a lot of expectations, and usually that means I end up disappointed. Um, but this episode so thoroughly delivers on excellence when it gets to the actual performance of the uh, the A band song that it is it is my new favorite thing that of anything that's been done in this anime to date. And I and I realize how kind of almost silly it is for me to say, hey, in this fighting anime, the best thing that happens is a musical song. Um, but it is. So incredibly good. Uh, we spent time off air trying to talk about how we would talk about it at all. And I think we just ended up landing on like, we can't really say that much about it. You just need to watch it to get it and to understand how amazing the thing actually is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like super emotional. I mean, it's it's a pretty charged up performance. It's really cool. It is excellence in anime. And the I was talking with some of the folks in our Discord about it. Um, I think it was before you had said that you had watched it. So... We were trying to not talk about it too much, but uh, the, the the manga does nothing like comparatively to what the anime does with that particular scene. And it's in it. How could it? Right. Because, you know, music is is uh, audio and it's it's very visual the way that this uh, episode delivers on that as well. And so the manga just feels so flat compared to what you get in the anime television show that I'm I'm glad that we have both. I mean, there are times where I think the manga does stuff better, but the anime absolutely destroys just because of the medium that it is. I mean, that's it just has advantages that a book just isn't for something uh, like this, which I thought was in uh, because of that, because of the difference in medium, I thought it was a very um, like tricky or very bold thing to try. Um, as well to to try to hype up in a book in a comic a music uh, like a, a musical performance and have to deliver on that without the benefits of you know moving pictures and sound um, was very very bold I think um, but man did they absolutely kill it in the anime yeah they really did and I almost wonder I don't know what theme park it would be but if there was like a My Hero Academia themed ride or something I imagine that they would have something uh, similar to like in Disney World they've got the uh, Muppets like 5D show they would have yep. to replicate this concert man like I would, it, yep, it would, I would so definitely cool. sit through this in a 4D theater yeah I mean it would be awesome uh, I mean it would be it it would be expensive I'm sure to to be able to produce something like this, but holy cow would it be cool if they could replicate it definitely that's a really fun but, idea I like four d theater um hero two uh, interactive uh exhibit that would be super fun I'd be all I about think it it would be it'd be more than forty wouldn't it because if you've got like a chaco like moving you up and down you're interacting with the environment and your your temperatures you know, changing because of Todoroki's ice and Bakugo's heat. Like, I think it would be like a 5D, yeah. wouldn't it? They consider it more than just one dimension. I'll take as many dimensions as they can build into the thing. 
and yeah. I would still sit through it. I mean, I, I watched, <laughs> they, yeah. they released a music video of this, like an official music video um, after this episode went live that I'll, I'll share to the Twitter when this episode of the AMP goes live, that when I discovered it, I think I watched it like on loop for like 10 or 12 times. Like I just could not stop watching it so good. Yeah. But before we get to the festival, let's go ahead and wrap up the gentle arc. Uh, because this episode actually starts off with Ectoplasm and Hound Dog, Gentle and Labrava, uh, all right outside of UA. And it's it's actually funny in my notes. Uh, I've got Nightmare Hero, but I just remembered his name is Ectoplasm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, even from he, last week, didn't you say you couldn't remember the dude's name last I, time yeah. we recorded too? I don't know why, because he's just always there, but he doesn't do much. Like he doesn't really talk. He was only really ever in that one episode where he attacked, or not attacked, but he fought some of the students. But even then, like, I don't know. I just, for some reason, he's not memorable to me. He's just memorable as the scary hero. So I've got him listed as Nightmare Hero a bunch <laughs> of my notes. But I did remember this time it's Ectoplasm. Um, <laughs> he, he is, uh, he's cracking me up at the beginning of this episode because he calls Gentle's videos impertinent. And I mean, I was just like, man, way to just, like, pretty much immediately discard this villain. It just, it was incredible. Uh, Hound Dog is getting all over uh, Labrava and Gentle about what's going on because obviously they're lying. And he's like, I can smell one of our students on you guys. I know there was a fight. And Midoriya shows up. And there's this really weird scene, I think, where Gentle's trying to turn himself in. And he's admitting that he's committed a bunch of crimes. But his greatest crime was kidnapping and brainwashing an innocent girl, which is what Adkins and I both said last week. Like, yeah. you're... Your biggest mistake was this. <laughs> I was going to say, he, he listened to AMP episode 44 is what he did. Um, exactly. It was really interesting, too. I had just a couple of notes from this scene. The first is, this is the closest that we've ever been to Hound Dog in the anime. And this dude is straight up frightening, like up yeah. close. And I have, he also looks like an old school saber tooth visually, which I had never totally. really thought about um, yeah. until watching this episode. That That connection kind of eluded me. But uh, like you're saying, Gentle is trying to say, he's trying to sell that stupid trip lie. Oh, I fell. You know, I told you I tripped on a pebble or whatever. And Hound Dog's like, I can smell one of our students. And I'm how did Gentle ever think that the, that lie was ever going to sell? Like, he oh. knew Hound Dog was on patrol. He knew that uh, Midoriya was a witness. And again, like I said last episode, who is UA going to believe? Um, when Midoriya comes and gives his side of, of what took place, Gentle is just... It's a purposeless lie because it's, you know, the only reason that a lie is, has any utility at all is if there's, if there's a chance that you can sell it as truth and there's no way he's getting away with this one. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what he was thinking. But, you know, I don't know what he's been thinking from the get-go. This whole arc is confusing to me. I just, I feel like it so doesn't fit. There's something about it that just seems so off. Uh, But regardless, you know, it's this is kind of just the end of it. They arrest him and they take him off because Midoriya is basically dismissive. Like, Oh yeah, we had a disagreement. He was going to play a joke on UA and I, uh, we disagreed about it. And so Hound Dog is like, okay. (laughs) And then he, uh, who was it? Snipe checks in and Snipe is like, Hey, what's going on out there? And they're like, I don't know. This guy's playing a joke on some folks. And so we're just going to take him downtown. And I mean, they all pretty much just agree it's not important. And I think Hound Dog knows that something more was going on, but he could tell Midoriya was had it taken care of. I mean, this kid's got his provisional licensing now. Like, he should be able to start handling some things like this, I think. And I think Hound Dog and Ectoplasm both knew that. Yeah, but at the same time, later on in this episode, he gets chewed out for being just a student with just a provisional license and not having called in the heroes 
you know, the hero staff, especially while they're on UA's grounds. Um, by Hound Dog himself, yeah. Yeah, But yeah. then at the same time, immediately afterwards, Hound Dog is like, now why are you looking so gloom? You save the day. Go enjoy the festival. Like, I think he did that because he had to do that. He had to say, hey, look, you're still a kid. Like, you did great. You did a good job. I can't really tell you that because I'm also a teacher. You shouldn't have done this, but you, you saved the day, kid. Like, he was, he, he was trying to be uh, accepting of what Midoriya did without getting onto him too much, I felt like. I thought, I mean, I'm, he straight up is just like... What you did wasn't right. I mean, he 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 was very clear. Um, and I wondered too where where that line is for students with provisional licenses because he gets, like I said, chewed out um, for for doing a hero thing even with a license. So where is that line? I mean, what activities can somebody with a provisional license get involved in or not? Or was it just because hey, idiot, like you have. The, the some of the top ranked heroes in the entire world right here you know, you know right here on campus but we also find out that he left a cell phone so how is he going to get in touch with anybody in time so he, mm. he, did, he I don't feel like he was left with a whole bunch of options no and I also think that if it had been anybody outside of class 1a that had tried to handle this there would have been severe punishment but I mean look at you got the guy that has survived like three attacks from the League of Villains. He infiltrated the Chia Hisaikai. Who the hell is Hound Dog to get onto him other than mm. a teacher? Like, he is an up and coming hero. This is literally what he's going to school for. It would be kind of contradictive to really punish him for doing what he's training to become. I you really, I, mean? I, I really would blame Hound Dog here. I mean, the whole reason that this man is on patrol is because he's got super dog senses, right? How did yeah. he not hear all of the explosions and stuff going on and That's be true. able to put one and one together on his own self, you know? Well, and I feel like Hound Dog is drawn really weird because in some shots he kind of looks like a like normal sized guy, but then in other shots he is like Bane from Batman. I mean, the dude looks like he's on some sort of juice. It's it's he's drawn very vastly different between shots. Yeah, we talked about like how when he's in, dressed down in his civilian clothes, he looks very like thin and wiry, almost like very athletic but slim. Yeah. Uh, and I gotta and then say, other times he's like the Hulk or like Sabretooth, who is also very big. That's true. Yeah, and I gotta say, there's another weird follow up scene here where <laughs> Hound Dog is taking uh, Labrava and Gentle to, I guess, downtown, and Ectoplasm is just like, "Bro, Midoriya, you got to get back." And so they like tromp on back to UA, and on the way there, we get this little kind of conversation in Midoriya's head where he's trying to justify Gentle's actions by basically saying that he could end up like him. He's like, "Well, you know, if I hadn't got my quirk, maybe I could have ended up like him," and. I don't know. The, the whole thing seems super far-fetched to me. Like, I get that they're very similar, but I, even if Midoriya had, like, f you know, failed out of UA, I don't see him becoming this really weird villain that tries to do weird stuff like this. At the same time, Midoriya and Gentle Criminal are so alike that they even use the same excuse to account for their wounds. Because, like, Gentle was trying to sell the idea that he tripped, and then when Midoriya does get back to the campus with his gear after him and Hectoplasm have to go fetch this stuff... He gets back and they're like, hey, are you okay? You look kind of beat up. And he's just like, yeah, I tripped. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's oh, true. Well, it's the exact same. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you, you shouldn't try to be like gentle criminal, like hardly in anything. Maybe your tea, your taste in tea could be okay, you know? But Maybe, yeah. I do like that uh, ectoplasm, though. Whenever they get back, he's just like, all right, well, go get healed up. Like, that's a normal saying in this world, you know? Yeah. Go get the kiss from... Uh, from Granny. 
Yeah. Why was it that uh, we recovery uh, girl? I don't know why her name girl, yeah. just completely eluded me for a second. <laughs> Uh, th- there was another scene right after this too that I really like, where a bunch of class one A is like questioning, like, "Where's Deku at? You know, we've got to figure out what's going on. Why is he not here yet? We're trying to get ready." And in the background, you can hear like Bakugo getting warmed up on the drums, and it sounds like a, a guitar is being tuned. And I just, I wanted to note, I thought that was a really nice touch because that easily could have just been those kids standing there questioning where somebody was, but then having the band warming up and tuning their gear in the background just made it seem legit, you know? Yeah, because I mean, it's getting close to the 10 a.m. start time. In fact, we get this like digital clock that turns from 9.59 to 10 and right at the stroke of 10 and these curtains part. And they, everybody in the crowd starts cheering for Momo for reasons. (laughs) It was so strange. Yeah. I mean, does, why? (laughs) I mean, does anybody have a real answer for that besides maybe she's the prettiest maybe? Like, I I don't know. I I mean, she's on synthesis or synthesizer. So maybe they just like the synthesizer. I mean, I was just like, what? Why is everybody cheering for Yaoyorozu? Not that I'm against anybody cheering for Yaoyorozu or Momo, but it's just like, huh? Like of all the people on that stage, why, why Momo? Like, it was just strange. She's the one most likely to get naked on stage. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's probably true. I, I mean, there are a couple of people there, though, that are not from Class 1A, and they are only there to judge Class 1A. And we get this quick aside uh, where President Mike, I guess, is supposed to be patrolling, but like President Mike, he's not. He's uh, he's ditching that. He's like, like I'm just going to be here for a couple minutes because I saw was getting on to him. And uh, so I was always telling him, like, yeah, there are a lot of other classes here that are just here to be critical of Class 1A. They're not here to enjoy themselves. They don't want to see a concert. They just they kind of want to have something against these guys. Uh, and then, of course, the concert starts. It's so cool because they, like, go to black. The curtains open up. Everything's dark and silent. And then Bakugo kicks everything off with, like, a bunch of explosions. I mean, it's like Adkin said. You, got, you just have to see it. It's so awesome. It's really, really incredible. Yeah, there, there's no... There's no, there's not a whole lot of sense in us trying to talk about everything that you see and experience for for this particular portion of the uh, of the episode. There are some cool like visual things that I wanted to touch on, and in a couple like smaller bits, like Jiro gets a cool character moment kind of in the middle of of all this. Um, but as this song is going on, we see all that uh, a band has been working on, and I desperately want one of those shirts now. Um, oh, I'm yeah, sure somebody's cool. got them somewhere, and I want one. But I, um, they was, they do some really cool stuff like they you, you, you saw Deadpool right the first oh, Deadpool yeah. movie yeah where he's just like get ready here comes a superhero landing they work that in like there's a superhero landing as a dance move in the middle um, of the little like dance line thing Ida at one point is running in slow motion so it makes it look like he's doing the robot um, Momo at one point shoots streamers into the room like out of her forearm and Todoroki is making ice bridges as catwalks and. Uh, Ochako's flying around and giving high fives to audience members. And she's which, also making some of them float, which yeah, is really that, cool. Like, that's yeah. what she's doing. That's the reason she's giving these high fives. Yeah. And um, and then Saro, because they're safety-minded, because uh, in my notes I was like, I don't know, that seems like a really big insurance risk to just have all these students floating, and then she's just going to be like, dismiss, and then you have 70 people <laughs> fall. Um, but Saro's up there connecting them to the catwalks with his tape for just in case, like tethering them. Like they thought about that, which I thought was a really cool um, touch uh, to, to this production. They, they thought they, you know, class one, a safety first guys. I'm, I'm, I'm for it. 
I was really surprised we didn't get a Mineta uh, harem little sequence there because they promised it, and I don't feel like I remember there being any weird, creepy Mineta bits in the dance scene. I mean, they, there's a they cleaned it up for them. Yeah, there's a really brief shot, um, and then like a single panel in the manga where he's just kind of they they kind of do a close up on him, and he's surrounded by women um, from the class, but it's very brief. I mean, in the manga, he's he's got. Looks like Sue and Ochako, Hagakure and Mina are all around him, and he just says, "My time has come." But I mean, it's it's a very brief shot with no dialogue in the actual anime because everything else is kind of going on around him. But I, I thought he got as close to you know a harem experience as the girls of Class One A wanted to give him. That's that's totally true. Uh, that's very true. And then you have, like I said, this moment kind of in the middle where Jiro gets a kind of a really cool character moment. And I'd mentioned to Adam off air, if, if it had been anybody else in class one, a singing this song, leading, you know, this concert, if everything else, you know, everything else equal, I think I would have liked it a whole lot less if it weren't Jiro, because I mean, I, I like Jiro. Jiro is my favorite. Right. And she gets this really cool moment in the middle of the song, kind of like during the bridge, I would guess of the song, um, where it kind of cuts away from the music and the festival and it's Jiro who's just heartbroken talking to her parents about how she doesn't, she's not going to be a musician. She wants to be a hero instead. And she's crying because she's like, I know that you guys have like taught me all this musical stuff. And, you know, I don't, I don't want you to be upset. I've been struggling with this decision. I admire what you guys do. And I don't want to waste, you know, all this time that you guys invested in me. And th- their parent or her parents are just like, you know, we, we did music because it's the thing that we loved. And um, eventually we came to realize that this music that we were making actually did something for others. And so maybe being a hero is a lot like being a musician in some ways. And they kind of just give her permission to do what she wants to not necessarily have to be who she might have felt like she was being groomed to be. Um and then she gets to do both here um, in this concert scene, which I really liked. It was cool juxtaposition. It was a really good time to deliver that story beat for her. Yeah, no, they did a really good job just giving her a little bit of background story uh, and a little bit of a connection moment with her parents, too. It's it's good to see like the, the students' parents. I like that. I mean, that whole bit with Bakugo and his mom and dad a couple episodes back, I really enjoyed that. There's something about their home life that's just kind of interesting, you know? Yeah. And then, um, so we're, we're gonna, we're not going to talk about the song too much. Um, but there is a, a a couple of like really important things that I think are kind of tied into something that we can talk about. So at the very end of this, of course, um, Mirio and Aerie are in the crowd and Mirio's kind of got Aerie up on his shoulders and they're very, very, they're being very particular about keeping their eye on Midoriya and um, towards the end of this, she's smiling and Mirio is crying. And I thought this was particularly interesting because there is uh, a line in the uh, in the song. In fact, I think it's one of the last things that she actually says. Um, like it's the last line of the song is Jiro saying, it's my turn to be the one to make you smile. Like give me the power oh, to make, cool. uh, to, to give me the power to smile every day and to be the one that makes others smile. And I was like, oh, dang, right in the feels. I mean, I, I'm i not going to lie, guys. I I got a little teary-eyed watching the, the end of this, especially with Aerie, who isn't just like cracking a smirk, man. She is just like, 
eyes wide open, arms up in the air. I mean, smile touching her ears, enjoying herself, and which is what Mirio and Midoriya really wanted more than anything, and more. I mean, enough to fight another person for you know. Right. And the um, really cool thing is that they do this awesome animation of her as she starts that smile where there's this like demon that's holding her and it lets go. And so it's like, she's, you know, shedding her demons. It was really cool. Yeah. And I couldn't remember, I was, I was reading the manga again today and I couldn't remember if they showed that really well visually in the anime because it straight up looks like in the manga in particular, it looks like Chisaki. Um, you know, that crazy cool visual that I had talked about a couple times where he's like kind of behind her and he has like these wings and his weird yeah. doctor mouth thing is opening in the manga. It is very clearly that image that is kind of wrapped up around her before she throws her arms open and it kind of dissipates. It's very cool. In fact, I'll, I'll try to remember that when this episode goes live to share that little panel, um, because it's, it was a very cool visual representation of what's going on too. Yeah. At first I thought that it was dark shadow and I was like, well, that's kind of weird to Tokiyami to like pinpoint her and, put dark shadow around her like just for a split second i was like well, that was weird and then when i watched it the second time i was like oh okay you know what's going on i think i thought the same thing now that you say that it looks so much like dark shadow for just a split because i mean let's be honest this this little segment's like five seconds it's if even five seconds yeah uh but it's just quick enough that at first i was like well that was kind of strange yeah uh, but yeah, I mean, this whole thing, it was incredible. They did a great job with it. Uh, go watch it. I mean, if you're listening to us and if you haven't watched these episodes, it's kind of strange anyways, because you're supposed to watch before you listen. But hey, <laughs> each their own. If you haven't watched this, go do it. It's awesome. Uh, especially if you can just go look it up on YouTube real quick. And I will also post the music video to the Twitter once this episode goes live, just so that there it's it's there, it's accessible. You don't have to go anywhere, but, you know, to um, at Almighty Pod on Twitter and, and see the glory of this song and get it stuck in your head like it's stuck in mine. <laughs> I got to admit, I would love to see the following play from beginning to end because it shows uh, Class B's play, where which sounds like it's a mixture of like Romeo and Juliet and Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and like all these different fandoms. They've just mashed into one and it, it seems ridiculous, but I feel like it would be so much fun to watch just because of the actors themselves. Yeah, Tetsu 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 makes a really great looking villain. Like yeah. he has that very, very on, like on brand villain look, especially with his like hooded cowl on. And his and, weird uh, eye, like, yeah, I guess markings. His, like, yeah, is very cool. And, and of course, they get like, so you hear some people in the crowd like uh, criticizing it afterwards, saying that they stuffed too much into it. And I was just like, I don't know. I think it would be, I'm with you. I think it would have been fun to watch just to see if we could pick up on all the crazy nerdy references there was like some harry potter in there too i think yeah yeah uh, so it was it, it was fun. very interesting maybe we can get an ova one day of that yeah that would be great <laughs> i'd be i'd be down for that yeah. i'd also want to see i think one of the classes maybe it's one c or somebody does a haunted house i think that would be fun to see quirks used in a haunted house setting too uh, yeah i agree uh they had uh i can't think of what his name was i wanted to call him Manoma, but i don't think shinso that's right. is, it was shinso yeah shinso was the one that was hanging from the ceiling i think can you imagine though like because he could use his quirk to control you and make you walk into like the scary parts and make you do something <laughs> i mean it would be i wonder if you'd have to like sign a waiver you know if you go to one of those really super hardcore haunted houses that like where the actors can mess with you uh you have to sign waivers and yeah. whatnot. i wonder if it would be like that or if it was like no touch yeah that's interesting. Uh, I hadn't it, thought about that. No touching. It looked like, 
looked like it would have been a lot of fun. Um, and then in between this is when we get the scene with Hound Dog and All Might Ectoplasm chewing out Midoriya. Uh, and there's a funny moment here after they get done chewing him out where All Might goes to thank Hound Dog and Hound Dog like loses his mind and just starts barking at All Might. And Ectoplasm says, uh, you only forget human speech when you are truly angry. <laughs> yeah. In the uh, manga, he, he says something even worse. He says, you only forget how to talk when you're barking mad. Oh, God. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> That's oh, not man. even the worst pun in these sets of episodes, like when the when the wild, wild pussycats show up on scene. In the manga, I swear that uh, Ragdoll says something that I don't remember her saying in the anime that I was just like, oh, my gosh, why, why do you do this to me? Because I, I don't really like puns. There's just not my brand of humor. Yeah. Um, so they always stick out like sore thumbs. And when I was reading the manga, I was like, no, don't stop. <laughs> and I don't remember having that reaction in the uh, anime. So I'll be I'll be happy to talk about that when it rolls around, too. I, I enjoy the occasional pun. Something like Barking Mad, that's pretty, that's well done. That's That takes a little bit of talent, I think. There's there's a little bit of a discussion between uh, Mirio and Aerie and Midoriya here. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of cute because... Uh, Aries like, well, at first there was a big explosion and that was really scary. <laughs> like she yeah. was like, yeah, Bakugo scares me. And I'm like, he does all of us, young yeah. lady. Um, <laughs> but then she like has her very cute, very young girl, her own retelling of all the cool stuff that she saw. And it was just really fun seeing her excited. And, and she's still wearing that like super big smile the whole time. She just finishes with, it's amazing. And then of course, because Midori is the cryingest kid ever, um, he's like crying into his elbow and just happy that he gets to see her smile. But there, this this sentimental moment gets interrupted by a, a couple of different things. I mean, first you have uh, Mineta who's like running around. They're they're picking up the pieces of Toko, uh, not to- Tokoyami's, Todoroki's ice um, from the little ice bridges that he made. And they're like throwing it into a dumpster or something so that Bakugo can melt it down. And Mineta is like, working furiously and it, the first time that we see this he doesn't really mention why he's just like i mean you've never seen Mineta work so hard in your life so you know something's up um, but they don't tell tell that part right away we get to that in a second um but then you have some members of i don't even know what class this is but there's a guy who has like triangle weird I, he reminds me of somebody i've seen in something else a video game or Another anime, this guy with the crazy hair. That's yeah, I know like, what you're talking about. And he does. He reminds me of something, too, but I can't think of what it is. Yeah. Maybe if you're listening and you know who this person is visually reminiscent of, remind us um, by hitting us up on Twitter, because I could not for the life of you remember, but it's like definitely a visual gag, in my opinion, to, to some character from somewhere else. Is it I a, think it's the hair in particular, but... Is it a bo-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo thing? Do that might be. That I'd anime? have to look that character up. I remember hearing about it on um, Adult Swim back in the day. There's another anime that I swear that this reminds me of his hair. Because I looked up Boba 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 Bo, and that guy just has like a golden afro. Uh, but there's another one where I want to say he's like a PI, and he has hair similar to this guy. No. Well, we'll leave it so. up to the... Yeah, to the listeners to hit us back and make us that they they might have some experiences and memories that we don't. Um, but another interruption that takes place to some of these guys from this other class, including somewhat recognizable hair guy, um, they come up and they're like, "We're so sorry. We were just there to criticize you and hope that you failed." And they walk off. <laughs> and in the anime, Bakugo says, "We won." You know, he's kind of like to himself. Um, 
But in the manga, he just says flawless victory, and it made me laugh <laughs> way harder. That's awesome. It was uh, they great. probably couldn't have used that in the anime. I bet there's some sort of like Mortal Kombat copyright law there. Yeah, but you get a cool moment where everybody's like, uh, a lot of people from some of the other classes or whatever at UA, they're like, hey, we, we totally understand what you guys were trying to accomplish with this, and we really appreciate it. So they get some validation. Um, and then Mineta is back, and he's just like, you guys need to start moving this ice right, this ice right freaking now. Like, get to work. And, and he's, I was like, why is Mineta being so pushy about this? And then he screams, like he, one of them asks, he's like, what's eating you? I think it's Kirishima, maybe. And uh, Mineta says, if we don't hurry, we won't get seats at the beauty pageant. And I was just like, oh, okay, that makes way more sense. And Mineta's just not, I mean, he ain't about them, that chore life. Um, but he definitely wants to be up close and, and uh, as close as he can to these pretty women at this pageant. Yeah, he wants a good view, you know. So I guess we can talk about that really quickly. Um, the, the rest of this episode is the the beauty pageant itself and um, some other just like quick little hit shots of the festival. So let's let's talk about the beauty pageant briefly. Yeah, we, we start off with uh, Momo. No, not Momo. It's uh, uh, Kendo. Yep. And uh, she's like chopping up some wood is what I think it was. Yeah, she, she's doing like a karate demonstration. Yeah, so it's, I guess it's it seemed like the beauty show was really just these women showing off their quirks because she does that. And then the, I can't remember her name and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it. Uh, but she shows up. It's the, the one that's won the last three years and she's in like this massive robot. That's a copy of her head. Um, and, and then when she goes off stage, uh, Hado comes out and Hado does this really cool visual gag with like her quirk where it looked like it was a flower that she made in the air or something. Uh, and yeah. so they end up having her win. Uh, she wins this year. So it was, it was pretty cool. All right. So I have I have a couple of pretty funny notes, I think, for the beauty pageant. So the, the crazy looking lady, her name is Kinranzaki. And the announcer's like, she uses advanced techniques to show off her face. And I just have in my notes, that's the last of her features that she should be highlighting with those crazy <laughs> eyelashes that she has. Those eyelashes are insane. But then she comes on and I have in my notes, I was like, she's driving a freaking Power Ranger Zord of her face. Yeah. Like it looks like the old Mastodon Power Zord from the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers from years ago, only it's her face. It totally does. Yeah, you're totally right. Or it looked like maybe like something out of Mad Max, but like a weird like femme fatale version of Mad Max, which I guess is Fury Road, which is kind of like that. But yeah, it was wild. And she still laughs like the fairy from Ocarina Time. But then <laughs> the, the funnier note that I think that I had was, it says that Najire lost last year because she tried to be flashier than Ken Renzaki. So Najire comes out and in an attempt to not be flashier, she floats above the cl- above the crowd in a dress, which I'm pretty sure is the very definition of flash. Yeah, because she's she's literally flashing everybody in the crowd that she gets over their heads as they turn up and look up her skirt. Um, yep. So I was just like, huh. Well, that was a curious choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and the whole time she's using her quirk to like light up the skies. I mean, it looks like she's doing like ribbon art or something where they use like ribbon, uh, like long, long strands of ribbon and make that like artwork in the in the air. Um, but I mean, it was it was neat, I suppose. Uh, everyone seemed to dig it. I wish we had seen some of the other competitors because it looked like when it was over, there were 10 competitors total. And uh, then they students got the vote on who was going to win. So they, they chose Hato, uh, but we didn't really see anybody else. Yeah. And like in the manga, 
a couple things real fast too. Like one, you don't get any visual tie to sh- to kind of like fill in what she's doing with her quirk. There's just like weird streamer lines, but they're not connected in any way. Gotcha. But in the anime, I did re- re- recall thinking that it looked like she went up there and like drew a rose in the sky. That's what I think it was. Yeah. Oh, and I then, don't know why this made me think of that. Uh, the guy with the hair reminds me of Lupin the Third. I don't know if you ever remember. Maybe that that's what it is. For some reason, I, I I don't have a picture of him pulled up or anything, so I don't know for sure. But I feel like that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Um, the other thing I was going to mention about the manga is Amajiki is in the crowd, and you know how like shy he is. Well, when Najiri takes the stage in the in the manga, he says, "Come on, Hado, just remember the people in the audience are nothing but mammals, and you'll be fine." And I, and when yeah. I read that, I was like, "Well, that's a weird way to try to like you know some people when they get up in front of crowds, they try to say things like." Picture them as naked, or didn't he try to like m- pretend like people had potatoes as heads or something, something in the classroom yeah. the one time? Yeah. But when I th- started thinking about the flashy line and the way that I had kind of was like, she's definitely being flashy, I wonder if he meant like they're all just animals with libidos, and if you show them a little something, something, you're definitely going to win this competition. Maybe. <laughs> like he was like, if you get up there and flash your butt, you're definitely going to win. Uh, you know, the thing I had, whenever he mentioned that, my first thought was, if he ate somebody else, would he have their quirk? I don't know. Like, That's I, a good question. I feel like we maybe have covered this one before, because we know his quirk is kind of strange. But, like, if he ate Midoriya, would he have all for one? Well, I guess he would, because that's how that, that quirk works. But, like, well, we, if we he do ate know Kirishima, he doesn't have to eat a whole thing. Right. Like, so he could just... I mean, well, that's how One for All transfers... Anyway, so you'd have to right. talk about somebody else. But, but that's like what Bakugo, like if, if, if he just got, took a bite out of Bakugo, would he be able to make explosions with his hands? Exactly. Or like if he ate Kirishima, would he have armor skin all of a sudden? I don't know. It's just, it brought up a lot of questions on like, if he was a villain, he could also be a cannibal and he would get a lot of quirks. That would be really interesting. I mean, yeah. temporary. Yeah, but Man, I, mean, I would not want to know what filled all of his pouches if he was a villain. <laughs> it'd just be like he cuts off like toenails or fingernails or something. Something gross. Yeah. Yeah, that's gross. <laughs> Keeps them all in the basement and like feeds them. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's disgusting. Um, yeah, but that's where my thought went with that one. I like totally forgot about the beauty pageant at that point. Yeah. Well, this this episode kind of wraps up with a couple of just like real quick shots of some other things going on at the at the festival. My favorite of which is they have Cementos high C box like juice boxes. Did yes, you see that? That was so cool. Yeah, that was a really funny touch. I was like, yep. that is super smart. And then you have like some of the classes like doing like obstacle course and stuff. And Najiri wins the beauty contest, like you said. Um, and then there's they had a the scene house, which was really cool. Yeah, yeah, with Shincho uh, coming down out of the ceiling, scaring some folks. Um, then there's a scene kind of at the end where uh, Ari and Mirio are getting ready to go and. Midoriya presents her with a candied apple and she's like, well, where'd you get this? We, we looked all over and he said, oh, well, I found out that they weren't going to sell them. So I just made you one. Um, so part of, I think this helps make the shopping trip um, a little bit more justified, like him being the one to go do it, him taking it, it taking a little bit longer is because he had this extra thing. He wasn't just going to go get rope. Um, you know, he had his own personal errand wrapped up in this. So I liked, I liked that as kind of like, maybe not a retcon, but a little bit of justification that we were frustrated by last time we spoke. Yeah, I agree. I have that same note actually that it made it feel like it made a little bit more sense. Yeah. So, so and that was a really nice kind of touch to the end of this episode before the credits rolled and we get some 
um, just some resolution with La Brava and Gentle Criminal sitting in police departments getting interrogated. Yeah, the, there's one officer that's interrogating La Brava, and he seems to be very impressed with her hacking skills. And he asks her, like, you know, would you be willing to use this power of yours for good? And she says, no, I'm only going to use it to help out Gentle. And then we zoom over to Gentle, who is being interrogated by, like, this guy looked like a gorilla, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's so, definitely a gorilla. Yeah, he had, like, an animal quirk. Uh, and, you know, he's... <laughs> Gentle is just a dope, man. That's all I know how to say. He's, like, sitting there crying, and he's he's talking about how, like, what he did was awful. And uh, the gorilla's, like, reading his, his background, like, oh, you know, you failed out of the hero course, you know, and all this other stuff. And then he does the thing... He, it made me laugh so hard. He's like, so do you want some tea? (laughs) (laughs) It's just such a nice bookend to this whole gentle arc. And and of course, gentle is like, yeah, black tea would be great. And he's like, it's instant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this, I I know that you're glad to kind of be past all that. I think I am too. I I, I appreciate too, that the gorilla, like when he's asking uh, gentle criminal, some questions at one point he goes, so you love her too. Yeesh. And I think I used that literal <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> onomatopoeia in my notes last week. Like, it was I just, just like, Ugh. this cop so is just that. like, I'm going to have to fill out so much paperwork. He is so pissed. He's having to deal with this. It seems like it could have just been a Friday, but no, I've got gentle criminal in my office. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So um, that's the end of episode 86, and that brings us into episode 87, which is simply titled Japanese Hero Billboard Chart. And it's kind of on the 10, most of this chapter, or most of this this chapter, I'm sitting here looking at the bong, and most of the episode focuses on that, but maybe about half, because um, the back half focuses on some Hawks and Endeavor bromancing. Yes. Um, so let's let's start at the beginning because it seems like an appropriate place to start. Definitely. Uh, we get this introduction with uh, Eerie. It, it's a couple weeks later, I think, maybe even be a couple months later. Uh, and Eerie is being kind of adorned at the UA dorms. Uh, and Aizawa is explaining that she's actually going to be moving in uh, because they, they need to watch her. I mean, she's healed up. She's she's better as far as physicalness goes, but she's still emotionally damaged. Uh, they've noticed that her horn is growing, which is interesting. Um, and, and they've talked about how her parents basically abandoned her and the old guy that used to run the Chiha Saikai, who is her grandfather, is still in a coma. So she's got nowhere to go. And if they were to send her to foster care, then they're not going to be able to take care of her. So Aizawa's going to keep an eye on her pretty much. Uh, and Mirio is taking a sabbatical from school. He's going to hang out at the dorm and, you know, he's friends with Eerie already. So he's pretty much going to be her caretaker, it seemed like. Uh, so, you know, and there's another weird moment here. I say weird. It's not weird. I mean, we've we've guessed this from kind of the beginning uh, where Amajiki is like, you know, hey, maybe if uh, she gets back into a better spot, she can get your powers back, big guy. And, you know, uh, and Mario's like, yeah, I hope so one day. And I feel like we I remember a couple episodes ago, Aizawa specifically being like, no, we can't do that. So it's weird that they're talking about it like right in front of him and right in front of her. Yeah, they're kids, though. You yeah, know, that's um, true. There, there's there's a a run of Marvel comics somewhere. I want to say it's the Avengers Academy where the they're teenagers and they overhear they overhear some of the adults talking about some criminal that did something terrible to Tigra or Tiger. I can't remember the the character's name. And then so they take it upon themselves to go and like beat this guy up and video record it, thinking that that's you know, that's the right thing to do. And so you know, they just don't think, I mean, t- teens are just like, well, yeah, this is what we want. Um, or yeah, yeah, this is what we think is right. And, uh, you know, sometimes they don't think things all the way through. And, uh, but yeah, they definitely did mention it. I mean, um, 
he's he's still holding out hope for that. And I don't know how I'll feel about that if he gets his powers back, you know? Um well, I, I like I like the idea of of consequence that sticks. But, you know, I'm I mean, it's not like I'll be upset if he gets his powers back. It would be interesting if he got his powers back, but it reset him to day zero and he had to relearn them. I would feel more okay with it. Hmm. Yeah, I also I had that's how that'll work, but no, I don't think it would work like that at all. Uh, but I did have a funny thought at the beginning of this episode where, you know, in the last episode, Eri gets so excited and she smiles and whatnot. And we know that her, her quirk is like emotionally charged quirk. It would have been a nightmare situation if it had gone off in the middle of that concert and just started reducing all of UA to like babies, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like that would have been an awful PR nightmare. <laughs> Gentle. Well, that's like, why, well, that's I why Aizawa was there. That's true. But I mean, it would have just been funny because I don't think he was anywhere near her at the time. I mean, we don't know how far away his quirk works, I guess. It probably, he was probably close enough, but it was just a funny thought to me. Yeah. Um, in the manga, there's a panel that one that you were talking about with present Mike, where there's like little caption boxes and under Aizawa, it says chaperoning Airy and under present Mike, it says something like shirking, uh, patrol duties or something like that. <laughs> present Mike is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I got to say, you know, I've, I've touted for a while that he's one of my favorites. Now that we have been introduced to Hawks, I think present Mike's been replaced. Uh, but we'll get we'll get more to him here in a bit uh, because for now the pussycats show back up uh, the wild wild pussycats are back and I had this thought for some reason I was like man I thought like at least two of them were dead or like I thought Ragdoll at least was so damaged from her run in with All for One and the Nomus that she was at least like mentally gone you know that was kind of the interpretation that I had. Um, but they're all there. They're all mentally there as well. Uh, and Coda's there, which is kind of fun. And we got a cute little scene where uh, they show his shoes off, and they're the same color as Midoriya's. So Midoriya's like all, you know, enamored with himself and and kind of embarrassed. I think. Yeah, there's a. <laughs> before I get into the pussycat stuff, there's a scene right before they walk in where Tokoyami sneezes. Oh yeah, that was and, weird. Yeah. Yeah, his beak moves it's, like bends, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I have in my notes like birds can definitely sneeze without malleable beaks. So I don't know why they chose to edit, uh, like draw it that way. But it would be really anyway, funny if to, that beak was a uh, like a a design choice or not a design choice, but like a fashion design choice. Like it's not real. He's just got like well, a like a. Uh, now I have reason to feel like pucker faced, kissy faced Tokoyami. You know, like it's yeah. just a. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need that kind of visual. Um, <laughs> anyway, so the, the pussycat, uh, the wild, wild pussycat show up, Coda's in tow, like you said, and they're uh, in the manga, they, they announce themselves as in day off versions. Uh, like none That's of them funny. are in their, their costumes, which is really funny. Um, and they're talking to Ragdoll in particular because they're like, oh, you know, we thought you were still like pretty much out of commission. And she says, you know, I'm not all back in action, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to, do my best to support these three. And this is where the crazy pun comes in. I swear this wasn't in the anime, but maybe I just wasn't paying attention because she says, just call me the cat administrative assistant. Yeah. She says something like that. I think she, she says like, call me the office kitty or something like that. Uh, no, yeah. 
No, but we do find it. out something really neat right after this because uh, they she says like her powers haven't returned, so she's just this office admin. And then we get this quick scene where they're investigating all for one, and he's like, "Well, I could return your powers if you want me to. However, you'd have to let me use my quirk to do that, and they're not about to let that guy do anything with his quirk. So he's still holding all the cards, man. Yeah, I. I still have that they're still trying to pin down how many quirks he has and which quirks that he's not revealed. And that's making them gun shy and for good reason. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, she's, she's just doing what she can with uh, the abilities that she has. She's still very much a team player. Um, and the other members of the wild, wild pussycats also consider her very much still a member of the team, which I think is also a, uh, really nice like that's a good a good touch you yeah. know that they're not just like well you know we are a superhero team and you're not super anymore so <laughs> um so that's that's good good on them yeah that would have been a totally different scenario like that scene would have played out so different if ragdoll hadn't been there like yeah yeah she didn't have her powers so we kicked her out yeah and they they kind of come and there's a conversation that takes place where they kind of introduce the idea of this uh billboard chart for heroes um they're they're kind of bragging and excited about the fact that they're ranked 411th um they used to be ranked 32 i think yeah um but they've basically been like out of act like basically on hiatus since camino so they're still they're like well we're still happy to still be in triple digits without having done anything since then and uh, they explain that it's they get into the idea that they're uh, they have an approval rating, which is one third of like this rating scale that they use to rank heroes twice a year. And so the ranking is based on number of uh, incidents resolved, and they are weighted. So like the bigger the incident, the more value it has in this rating, I guess. Because they they even go out of their way to say like if you if they were involved in Camino, like they got big boosts. Um, their contributions to society and then citizen approval ranking, which is the approval ranking that the pussycats are talking about. Yeah. And it's crazy that they dropped from like 32 to 411 just in, I mean, for all we know, I think it's a couple of months, like five months, maybe four to six months, I'm going to say. So that's the better half of the year. uh, But still, it just seems like they must have been, really on top of their game. I wonder if that's like a combined ranking or if like if they're ranked as a team, you know what I mean? I got the feeling that they were ranked as a team, but then you get a like a the situation with like Kamui and Mount Lady who are like, like seven they and six. say we're on a team and they have very different ratings. Yeah, that's the reason and so I wasn't too sure about how they're being maybe they only operate as a team so they can only be considered as a one object or something. I'm I'm not really sure. Uh, yeah. But it is interesting because this is the first year that people are going to be seeing this Japanese hero billboard chart uh, without All Might on it. So it's a big deal because they really kind of want to know, like, okay, this is this is a whole new ball game for everybody. We have no idea who's going to be there. So for the first time, they're kind of making it like almost like when uh, football players or like baseball players want to get drafted, like whenever they do yeah. the big draft parties. Uh, so they, they've all come together at this Coliseum and uh, they've got this lady uh, that's kind of introducing everybody and they, they start at like number 10 and work their way down. And I, I got to say, yeah, and they've got some weird heroes in this lineup. Yeah, a couple of them we haven't been exposed to and a couple that I'm just like, I don't care if we ever get to know anything about them. Yeah. Um, I mean, one in particular. Yeah, there's uh, one in so, particular that I have some notes, severe notes about. Oh, really? Well, um, yeah. 
Okay. Well, I'll run down the, the 10 and then we can talk about it real <laughs> okay, quick. Okay. Okay. So at 10 is Ryukyu, who apparently dropped. So she was ranked slightly higher. Um, I think there were some new entries into the top 10, especially after Kamino. Like I would guess Kamui wasn't top 10, but now that he is and caused Ryukyu to drop. And so too, number nine, uh, Yoroi Musha, who is like the equipment hero or he the equipment really hero. Cool, though. Yeah, he does look really cool. He looks like a like a mecha samurai yeah. almost. He reminds me of a uh, Yojimbo. I don't know. You've never played a Final Fantasy game, Us- so you wouldn't know anything about this. But oh no, the only Yojimbo I know of is Usagi Yojimbo. Yeah, there's a Yojimbo in every single Final Fantasy game that you have to fight, and he's always really cool and he's really hard. He's always a hard boss. He's a summon in some of the games, uh, but cool. he reminded me of Yojimbo. Number eight is the Laundry Hero Wash, which who I like. What in the world? <laughs> this guy is so stupid. How is he number eight? I don't ever want to see this hero again. It pissed me. I, I don't know why. It irrationally made me mad. I was like, this is the dumbest looking hero. So I, I initially thought that he was this high coasting on approval ratings alone from kids. <laughs> right. Like he was like a kid mascot. But he's not even in the top three of approval ratings. We know who the top three in approval yeah. ratings are, and he's not them. I don't. I just don't get it. He's literally a washing machine with legs. Get this guy off the stage. Well, and I, I did. I was like, all right, come on. And I went to his profile, and there's nothing else about him uh, in his profile on that wiki besides what they say here, which is that he's in a clean and shiny commercial. <laughs> That's insane. basically it. This is insane. I can't yeah. stand that he's number eight. But is he the one that you said that you had notes, angry notes on? Yeah, that's pretty okay. much all of my notes. I was like, who is this guy? Get him off. the Like, this is dumb. Why is okay. he here? I don't. All of the other heroes look like legitimate heroes. This guy cleans their laundry. That's what he's doing yeah. on the weekends. <laughs> hey, that, that's not an all heroes wear job. capes. No, I know. I, Some of them wash job, them. But to number eight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was just really shocked. Seven is Kamui Woods, who we really liked. He leapt up, I think, uh, from outside of the top 10 into it, knocking uh, probably the other three down a peg. Um, And he gets, like, Mount Lady is out in the crowd, and she gets asked about dating him, and she won't comment, but she's all upset that they're on the same team, and he outranks her by, like, I don't know, 20-something spots. I think she said that she was number 32. Um, then you have shield hero crust who is at number six, who apparently has been ranked number six for a while. Like the commentator makes the comment that he's just like been really steady. Um, rabbit hero Mirko, um, who rose in the rankings is number five. Number four is Ed shot. Um, number three is best genist who is coasting on high approval ratings alone. Pretty much. He's the number one hero approval rating wise. And then two is Hawks, who we see for the first time in the anime, I think, in this episode. Yeah, I think so. Um, he was featured in the second movie prominently. And then uh, number one hero, of course, is Endeavor, to no one's surprise. Yeah, yep. Uh, I like Hawks. I got to say, I like Hawks a lot. He, they, they go through this bit where, like, I've got in my notes that Hillary Clinton is giving a speech because the lady that's introducing them all just looked like her to me. I was like, this is a weird... <laughs> it looks so much like her. Uh, but so she's going through and she's like introducing all of the all of the heroes and wanting them to give a speech. And Ryukyu is talking about how like she's so blessed to be in this spot and she's going to... She doesn't really deserve it, but she's going to work her way to be the best hero that she can be in this number 10 spot or whatever. And there are some people that died on her watch and she's going to make up for it. And they're all kind of this like canned response like what you would expect a hero to say and then hawks gets the mic and he's like ah screw these guys you guys want to hear what a real hero has to say 
and and he's talking about how like you know the approval rating is totally skewed like i am way above endeavor and yet he's the number one hero like you guys need to know some truths and and then he hands the mic over to endeavor and he's like all right follow up with that big boy and uh it's crazy because endeavor is just like well he's ruffled some feathers i don't think i'll have anything to say No, man, I love what Endeavor says. I, I it's know, great. It's, it's per it's the perfect follow up. Like I really didn't expect him to be able to because he, he says something like, Don't listen to what I have to say, just watch me. Yes. And, I don't have much to say except just watch me. And I was like, that is perfect. In fact, I have in my notes that they should have given him a mic just so he could drop it. Yeah. And and I mean I liked it. I thought Endeavor did a really good job following up Hawks because he definitely put the spotlight on like you guys are worshiping these kind of fake heroes you know because he even brings up Stain he's like uh, you know I'm yeah. sure your speeches would make Stain happy uh, so I right. thought that was I mean that's probably a pretty big sore spot for a lot of people still this is this guy's a cocky hero yeah that's I don't I don't really like Hawks um, I, I liked him a little bit better because he was a little, he was a bit of a curiosity to me in the movie just because he was new. I still haven't seen the movie yet. I um, gotta check that out. Yeah, you do. You need to. I think part of my problem with him is it seems like he has all of this potential but wants to live up to none of it. So he seems like this really lazy hero and it drives me nuts. Like later on in the episode, he's just like, hey man, I just wanna, what does he say? I wanna make a world where heroes have too much time on their hands, but he's also like, but I want you to do all the work, so chop, chop, endeavor. And I'm just like, meh. Well, but I also have some thoughts about why he might be that way. I also so got we'll the talk feeling about though, that a little later too. I got the feeling though that it wasn't that he wanted Endeavor to do all the work as much as he wanted Endeavor to be the face. Because this kid, I mean, he's a kid. They explain that he's only 22 and that uh, he originally started his own agency like right out of high school when he was 18. And within a couple of weeks, he was in the top 10, I think. And so it's it's pretty crazy that he is as highly ranked as he is to just be a kid. And uh, they're actually, whenever they, he's giving a speech, Rocklock is in the audience and he, he's calling him arrogant and whatnot. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I really think that he just knows what people wants from an image perspective. And he knows that Endeavor can't fit that. Like he doesn't necessarily want to be the number one hero, but he knows how to shape Endeavor to be the number one hero, if that makes sense. He's, I mean, he says himself, Hawks does, he's like, man, I'd rather be somewhere in the twenties or thirties. Yeah. Like good enough to be well known, but not so high profile that they want me to come and do all this crazy work. Yeah. You know, I don't know. He just struck me as. Like, he's got all this potential. We know he does because, like you said, he rocketed to the top so fast. But I don't know. He just seems very, like, not committed to his capabilities, if that makes sense. No, it and does. That, I don't know. That just kind of sticks out to me a little bit and rubs me weird. But there's a really crazy scene right after this that I love where Endeavor is trying to, like, hang him dry. And Endeavor's literally on fire from head to toe. It is hilarious. Yeah. And he's he's kind of he's frustrated because he thought that Hawks was like mocking him or or making a mockery of him on stage, but Hawks is explaining to him, nah man, we need a leader and I'm just trying to set you up to be that figurehead and you played well right right, you know, along with it. You did well. And then he mentions that he wants Endeavor to come back to his hometown, to Hawks' hometown. Because he's been hearing some rumors about Nomu, and um, we get a couple of just like really, like a quick cutaway from that to uh, Dobby, who is in a room with what, by implication, is this Nomu, this rumored Nomu um, that he refers to as high end, and it's this creepy looking thing. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, creepy it's creepy looking. 
the design is definitely bizarre. It kind of reminds me of something again, like out of Spawn. And I don't know, you know, we know that Horikoshi draws a lot from Western superhero comics, and I wonder if Spawn falls into that pool of candidates too. It's definitely a Western. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, that's, comic of some kind because it, it definitely gave me Spawn vibes. It's McFarlane, so it's right up there with Spider Man and all of them. I mean, I could true. You know, I could see that. Uh, I, for some reason, and I mentioned this to you before we started recording, it reminded me of Kurogiri. I don't know if it's like, because it, it, it's wearing this like hood, and it kind of, rem- I guess it hits his eyes the same way that Kurogiri's like neck cuff does. Uh, mm-hmm. And he has Kurogiri's looking eyes to it as well. But then you had mentioned that Kurogiri was uh, a kid, or not kidnapped, but he was taken in by. He's arrested. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was kidnapped. Uh, but yeah, he was arrested by uh, Gran Torino. So. I don't know. Maybe there's no relation there, but there's something about him. Just I was like, oh, that looks like Kurogiri. We cut back over to uh, this weird scene. I didn't know where they were going to go with this at first. They introduced this guy named Turu Hazukashi, and he's standing outside of this company, and he's talking about this book that he's read, or maybe he wrote it. I wasn't really following it too close. but He read it. But he, did he just read he it? He didn't okay. write it. He, okay. re- he read it. Uh, but he uh, he's he's outside of this company and he's screaming about metahuman liberation, and I guess he's like sh- being shamed by this company or something because uh, th- his quirk is introduced as the more embarrassed he gets, the stronger he gets. So I guess he's about to go all out on this company, and right before you can do anything, Hawks just takes him out, like nonchalantly just walking by, talking to Endeavor about lunch, like what they're going to go eat at or where they're going to go eat, and he just takes this dude out, no problems. Keeps walking, and then that's the end of the scene. And then Hawk saves this dog from getting hit by a truck, and then he helps out this old lady. Like he's just doing all these minor things nonchalantly, like not even thinking about it. It's I really want to know what his quirk is because it seems really cool. The shame guy? No, no, no. Hawks. No. Uh, Hawks is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, the shame guys I felt was on the ten. The oh, more totally. embarrassed he gets, yeah. the stronger he gets. So he strips. He starts to strip naked. And um, I just had a couple of quick notes. Like, number one, I think one of the two or somebody in the crowd is just like, wow, he, I can't believe he did that in this cold. And, <laughs> and I was like, that makes it even more embarrassing, yo. Yeah. And it reminds me of that scene from uh, Seinfeld where George is like, I was in the pool, you know? <laughs> yes, yeah. um, an officer had a note that like, of all the people in the world to be small where it counts, like this would be the guy who actually benefits from such a thing um, for his power, um, for him to strip, strip down. And it's, it's, you're right. Like Hawks has some very interesting applications of his quirk in this little walking scene. Um, he shoots his feathers at this guy, kind of like Archangel could in the X-Men comics. Um, he's a very like Archangel character. almost. Very Archangel. Um, huh? I said he's a very Archangel character for sure. Yeah. Um, he can also manipulate them to kind of fly like apart from him, almost like a magic carpet. Like they're sentient almost. That's what it looked um, like, yeah. Which is pretty crazy. Um, and I, I just had in my notes, I said, I'm glad to see all this because I was never a big fan of, I just have wings as a power. Um, so I was kind of cool. It was kind of cool to see some other applications of what he's got going on. Um, and then he, and so they come up on this crowd, um, that are, I don't know if they, I mean, they kind of are gathering because he's doing all this hero stuff really nonchalantly. And you kind of get this hometown hero versus number one hero juxtaposition, and, um, you know, Hawks is playing up to the fan. He's, he's signing autographs and, uh, Endeavor has this fan who like is like notices Endeavor and he's like, oh my gosh, it's Endeavor. And somebody's like, you should go talk to him. And they're like, no, no, no way. And then Endeavor comes over to them and is trying to be personable. 
and extends his hand. And it's just like, you know, you don't have to be scared of me. And the fan takes it offensive. Like, he's like, what? You've changed. You're like, you're not the Endeavor that I know. The Endeavor would never pander to the fans. And like, poor Endeavor, (laughs) he's so conflicted. Because the guy just runs off screaming that he's like, you're changed. Endeavor's changed for the worse. And Endeavor's just like, what? (laughs) Like, I'm so confused. But that is... It's an illustration of the very thing that All Might was trying to get him to understand when they were sitting there watching the provisional exams. Like that conversation where Endeavor's like, how do I be this number one hero? And All Might's like, you can't do it the way that I did. Yeah, like um, you're going to have to figure out you, your own way. You, yeah, you see him kind of try um, here or to at least change who he is and it backfires on him. So I wonder if he'll just go back to default like real hard um, coming up soon. Just just stay true to himself. And you know, m- maybe it means that he suffers some in the approval polls, although I think he was still ranked number three anyway. So he can't be like I think he was ranked awful. number four. He was like he was way bar, far behind. Um. So anyway, that it was a kind of cool little scene where you see him trying to develop and almost being reinforced that man, you can't do that. You just got to be yourself. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of liked that as a scene. I gotta say his new his new costume is really cool though. Yeah, his costume is very cool. Yeah, I do like. His it, new there's costume. a cool like almost a full page full page spa, uh, splash of it in the in the manga. That's really neat when he steps out onto the stage at the uh, billboard thing. It's pretty cool. The rest of the scene or the rest of this episode rather plays out uh, kind of in a restaurant like a high rise restaurant as Hawks is trying to he's he's kind of going over with Endeavor the veracity of these rumors that he's heard. Um, they are kind of rumors between like housewives and school children, but he's been investigating them. Hawks has on his own. Um, and he's just like, listen, either the Nomus that you guys wiped out in Camino were all of them, or there are some that we don't know about that only all for one did. And there are others still out there. Um, he even gets this jab in against, uh, Todoroki. He's just like, man, I'm glad I got Tokoyami since your son failed a provisional exam and scarred his brand forever, um, yeah, I could which I thought was a bold move. That. I know, super dangerous move. I thought that for a second they were just going to show like an external far away shot of the uh, the high rise and then just fire blasting out that whole floor. <laughs> like Hawks being thrown um, out the window or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would have been really funny. Yeah, it would have. Um, even if they, even if they had done it as like Endeavor imagining himself doing that, I would have really enjoyed that. That, that would have been, been the addition. perfect way to handle that. Have him do it and yeah. then it just be in his head. That would have been great. So Hawks is just like, listen, you know, I really want you to be the one that kind of chases some of this stuff down. I'd rather just be the producer behind the number one hero than actually be the number one hero. Um, he drops that line about, I want to make it a world where heroes have too much time on their hands. Um, and Endeavor is still kind of, he's kind of frustrated because he's like, all you really have seriously are rumors. Um, and, but Hawks is just like, listen, I've done this extra investigating. Uh, I I think that there's something that's really here. These tales are spreading there. There are some inconsistencies, but there's definitely something that's going on here. And, you know, I probably could do something more with this, but I want, I want to set you up to be established as this leader that all of the other heroes in the world can really rely on. So I'm going to sit, I'm going to sit back and take this easy and let you do, let you do this for, for your sake. Like he's, it's almost like he's social media managing endeavor. Absolutely. He's throwing him a softball. He's like, Hey, I got these leads, go knock it out, be dependable, be the number one hero. You can do it. He's, he's trying to back, like he's trying to basically backseat hero endeavor. 
Yeah. He definitely. also mentions that uh, the guy that we mentioned earlier that had been uh, speaking out for the like metahuman liberation, he says like this is becoming really familiar too. And they talk about these books that are being published of it, what appears to be like biographies of villains' lives. And it seems like it may be causing some people to kind of go off the deep end, like make them have respect for villains and, and see the villain aspects instead of trying to steer clear from that that kind of road. So it'd be kind of interesting to see if there were a lot of people that started investing more time into villainry in general. You know, just your average Joe becoming a villain or attempting to. Yeah, and we've heard of this meta liberation army before from gentle criminal remember when he's listing like some of the biggest of the baddest villains of all time and he mentions all for one but he also mentions this guy whose name escapes me but who is um the leader of the meta liberation army so we're we're starting to hear more and more about that and we're seeing some grassroots buy into that uh in this flasher guy that it's it's developing into something that because of this reprint, I think, of a book that is starting to sell really well again or for the first time one way or another, um, and it's it's starting to catch fire. So I think that that'll be something that we see develop in the future. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and then this is where the, sh- the episode, I'm going to say, takes a weird turn. Uh, that may be a little aggressive, but the waitress is about to deliver some drinks to Endeavor and uh, Hawks, when all of a sudden this high-end Nomu attacks that we had mentioned earlier in the episode. And the moment he like crashes through the window, he, you know, basically takes out Endeavor, it looks like, and he asks like which one of you is stronger. Like he wants to fight the strongest one here. And I don't know, man. It feels really convenient that Hawks is talking about these rumors and then the Nomu attacks. I'm not saying yep. he's behind it, but He's got this whole stick where he wants to make Endeavor look good, and I feel like the easiest way to do that would be to lob him softballs that he is tossing himself, you know? I just had in my in my notes that Endeavor says, they weren't just rumors, huh? Must be my lucky day. And I was like, nope. It means that Hawks is a suspect. Yeah. Um, that's what I have in my notes. I still really like Hawks, though. Um, but he gets... Yeah, well, you would. I don't know. There's something about him. I, I had mentioned this to you off-air he just brings something back to the show that I feel like it's been missing. I don't know, like, I don't have a word for it. I just know that, like, it was something I was missing that he's brought back, and I love it. Yeah, maybe charisma. I mean, he definitely has a lot of that. Maybe. Like, if you're going to stat Hawks out in D&D, he would be high charisma oh, character. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. He'd be, your, uh, he'd be your bard with wings. Yeah. It's cool because this high-end thing flies in, and he's like, which one of you is the strongest? And um, Endeavor is just like... Come, I'll sh- I'll show you who I am. And I just have in my notes. I was like, prison rules. I dig it. You know, this guy's newly minted number one, and you're just like, I'm gonna go punch the biggest guy in the in the world in the mouth and see what comes of it. Um, so I think that this is gonna be a super awesome fight. Yeah, I can't between- wait. Yeah, it's gonna be so cool. Yeah, I think I've been, when uh, I finished the episode today, I messaged you and I was like, "Dude, next week's episode is gonna be off the chain." Like, I cannot wait to see what happens with this. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the next two episodes. I think that I mean, I wasn't able to say this two episodes ago. I mean, I was our last episode because I was really looking forward to the uh, to the concert itself. Um, but this is the first time in a while that I feel like I'm like, dude, we need to wrap this up so I can get to watch these next episodes. Um, 
And I th- I'm, so I'm excited about episodes 88 and 89, which we'll cover next time that we sit down together. Definitely. I got to say, I agree. This is the first time in this season where the anticipation feels real. Like, I really want to know what's going to happen next. Um, I will say, though, I am very excited to hear who you have cast as Miss Midnight. Don't let me, uh, don't let you, I'm not going to let you forget about that. We still got to cast her. I haven't forgotten. All right. Who you got, man? I would cast Marissa Tomei as Midnight. Um, this is Aunt May from Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Um, she's, you know, she's older, but she's still drop-dead gorgeous. And can do that very flirty, but is also like a very, I mean, she's just a capable actress and, and she fits my rule of like, I can cast it tomorrow. And I think that she would, she would uh, fill the role well. So I, that's who I'm casting. Marissa Tomei like is that. my midnight. And I think I might have mentioned her possibly. I can't remember. I have to go and, and listen back, but I think I might've put her in the hat for, um, for Izuku's mom too. I'm pretty sure that's who I, I cast think I her as. Oh, okay. Yeah. You so you had Marissa Tomei mm-hmm. as Inko Midoriya. I'm pretty sure I cast her as somebody. I think it was Inko. I know I had put Mary Louise Parker's name out there for Inko. Yeah. I just couldn't remember. If, so maybe it was you talking about Marissa Tomei. Yeah. But I think she would be an excellent Midnight. She's got all the sex appeal that that character needs, um, and that's. I mean, what else do you really need for for Midnight besides somebody that you would like to see with less clothes on? Right. <laughs> that's fair. All right, I'll give you that. Uh, so I went with Rachel Wise. I don't know if you remember her or not. Oh uh, yeah, from, I know uh, Rachel Wise, the mummy. But I feel like she could fit your yeah. your uh, ruling with this as well. Like she could easily step into that role tomorrow. She's she's a little bit older now, uh, but she's gorgeous. I mean, that, I even thought she was gorgeous back then. Like she's a great actress. I could totally see her being Miss Midnight, and she's got the dark hair. Yeah, she's like yeah, I could, yeah. And she's always been really pretty. I'm yeah, with you on that. Yeah. The Mummy movies were some of my favorite movies. Man, I love those movies. So. Who are we casting next yeah, week? Are, what do you want to do? Both really interesting castings. Oh, we need to uh, let's get a kid in here, man. We need to we need to since we've done a, a teacher this week. Let's see if we can't find a student to agree uh, to cast for next week. Do you want to do? Uh, let's see. Who haven't we done? You want to do? You want to do Kaminari? Yeah, let's do Kaminari. Yeah. Just goofball Kaminari. Let's go. Yeah, for I that. like that. We could just do goofball Kaminari. All right, let's go with it. Uh, so I'm interested in seeing right. what you'll see because uh, I feel like a lot of play- people could play Kaminari. He's and we don't know a whole lot about him either. So this will be interesting. Yeah, I mean he's also a very different character than most of what we've cast too, like straight laced um, characters so far. He's he's kind of one of the more goofy characters in the show. So we get to find somebody who's got like a ton of personality. Um, so. Um, I, I think that that'll be a fun casting. I have I don't have somebody in mind for him in my notes, so um, I'll have to spend some time thinking about who could be Denki Kaminari if I cast him tomorrow. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Yeah, me too. I'm gonna this one's I think this one's gonna be a little hard. This one's gonna be a fun one. I think that there's like you said, there's gonna be a lot more options. I think for Kaminari than I would think about most other characters. Yeah. Like you couldn't just throw anybody at me for Miss Mid or for Midnight and I'd be like, Oh yeah, totally. Or for, or for All Might, but for Kaminari, I think there's some wiggle room. Um, so, uh, maybe, maybe we'll each have multiple castings next week. I'm not going to hold you to that. Cause I'm not going to hold myself to that <laughs> because I, I tend to be the way that I am where I'm just like, Nope, this is my guy, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, so we'll see if that trend continues when we talk in a couple weeks. Yeah, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. We'll look forward to it. Uh, man, I can't wait for this fight. It's going to be awesome. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, I have access to the manga, and I want to read ahead just to see the fight. But 
I'm, I'm going to wait because I'm a good boy and I follow the rules of this <laughs> podcast to the best of my abilities. I never said you couldn't read the manga ahead. I know, but I don't want to bring any, I don't want to bring any like foreknowledge into what I'm watching in the anime either. That's fair. So it's I, I like a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I like watching it as green as I can and then reading the manga as a refresher. That, that seems to be a system that works for me. So I'm just going to stick to it. Cool. All right. Well, we'll talk in a couple weeks, man. Looking forward to it, buddy. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash BackPatioNetwork. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O.